or hit him with the bags. Always first, never last. I be the king of my class, got the heart of a wolf, and that's that. Double, double, like it's nobody business. I'm gonna take the ball and pass it to Wiggins. Welcome, everybody, the most must-listen-to Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, Dunking with Wolves, where we are wolves, we are fan-sided. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com. You can also find this podcast online on SoundCloud or on iTunes. We'd appreciate if you guys would subscribe, rate, like, give us the whole nine yards. We really appreciate it. I'm Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts with the site. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Sampson MBA. And today we're kicking off a special series where we're going to hook up with writers from all around the web, and we're beginning today with Dunking with Wolves' own Logan Metzger. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. It's a Friday. It's been a crazy 36 hours for the Timberwolves, but I'm ready to go. What about yourself? I'm ready. You know, it's... It's snowing here in Minnesota. I'm in Rochester, and it's snowing for the second straight day, which means winter is upon us, and I'm ready to dive into this podcast and dive deeper into this season with Minnesota. Awesome. Yeah, let's go ahead. So today we're going to focus on Jeff Teague and his unfortunate injury that really happened in, I would I would call it a freak accident um, towards the end of their game. Was it Wednesday night when Jimmy Butler was tied up near half court, and they did a jump ball, and... Gary Harris rolled up on Jeff Teague's leg and rolled up on his ankle, causing his knee to bend in an awkward form or a different way than normal. And so he was down, you know, just in a lot of pain, smacking the floor, and he, he eventually was helped off up helped up off the floor. And so we're going to focus on what that means for the Timberwolves because he was diagnosed with a left knee sprain, which is better than a lot of people thought. I mean, a lot of people were worried about that ACL tear. Logan, were you worried about him in an ACL initially? I mean, that's your first thought, right? You know, especially last season with Zach Levine going through that. I mean, that's the worst possible, you know, scenario. And it really didn't look good. It looked like one of those plays like in football, you see someone blocking an offensive lineman or receiver getting rolled up on and the knee just buckling like that. So I was surprised, happy that, you know, obviously only two to four weeks, we'll see how he rebounds. But that was my, you know, worst fear was the ACL, unfortunately. Yeah. And you mentioned the two to four weeks. The timeline is kind of unclear. I think that's maybe more the optimistic side yeah, that I've general, seen things. Yeah. Um, I've heard it could be as long as eight weeks, but right now we really don't know too much information about it. So yeah, and go we'll ahead. see we'll see how we'll see how it comes out. You know, I mean again, two to four weeks is optimistic and uh we'll see what the wolves do in the meantime. Yeah, so last night Tyus Jones started in place. Uh last time I think when Teague missed a couple of games Thibodeau tried to get a little cute and start Aaron Brooks for one of the games, if my memory serves me correctly, and that just was a complete disaster. But since then, Tyus Jones has been starting, including the one game last night that Teague missed. And, you know, he filled in admirably. I think his biggest contributions come on the defensive end. I'll just run through his stat line here real quick. He played 35 minutes, contributed six points on two of five shooting, but missed both of his three-point attempts. But he did rack up four rebounds, five assists, five steals, and only one turnover. What were your thoughts on Tyce Jones' performance last night filling in fatigue? I mean, I thought he did really well. I mean, he does, he did what he needed to do. You know, I mean, he got everyone in the flow of the offense, you know, and, and even even in the uh, the other sample sizes we have, I guess, you mentioned that Aaron Brooks started one game, but as Tyus Jones is a starter, uh, just statistical line, 10.8 points, 6.3 assists. I mean, that's Jeff Teague-ish, right? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so you're not going to get Jeff Teague, right? You know, that's that's not going to be, we're not going to have a 
a full Jeff Teague replacement. But I, I thought he did really well. I think the Bucks tried to attack him defensively. You saw a lot of the times when he got switched on to, a, to another player, even even when he was guarding Bledsoe. They posted up Bledsoe a lot. But Tyus is such a good reader of the ball and good defensive IQ guy. I think he ended up with five steals, like you said. Um, I guess the only I guess the only knock I have on him, and not a lot, is he's a great defender, but I would just say he's a limited defender, just meaning mm-hmm. that teams are going to attack him in the switch just because of his size. I mean, I looked at basketball reference before this, and they listed him at 6'2". I mean, I... Mean, that could be generous. You know, I don't know. He doesn't look 6'2", you know, on the broadcast. But teams do try to seek him out. And Jim Peterson on the broadcast against the Nuggets was praising him for his defense as well. So I think that that's one of the huge things Tyus brings. It's just um, we are susceptible to teams attacking the mismatch. And uh, you also saw late in the game when I think it was Bledsoe. We were talking about the game last night. Bledsoe, uh, they ran a pick and roll. Tyus went over the screen. And then Bledsoe got easy layup, and it's just one of those things where they're just going to continually attack Tyus Jones on the on the pick and roll. So, good defender, good IQ, but we are going to have to, I guess, uh, the team's going to have to pick it up around him in terms of health defense and stuff like that. Yeah, on the ball, he's definitely not the best defender because of, like you mentioned, that limited, I would say, athleticism. He's just not a great athlete. Um, his lateral quickness is okay. He's not a great leaper. He's not great not, you know, just all around athletically, he's just average at best. And so on ball, he's always going to struggle a little bit defensively off ball is where he's going to make his money. And you saw that he's, he anticipates the passes so well, and he jumps those passing lanes. It hurt him towards the end there where he jumped the passing lane and didn't get the steal. Yeah. I think Bletzel finished for a layup or got fouled at the rim um, late in the game. But those five steals are mostly, you know, part of him just being a step ahead of everybody else. And Zach Lowe actually wrote about this today in his 10 things I like and don't like that he releases every Friday. And it's he called Tyus Jones a brainy player, which I would completely agree with. Tyus is just, he's a smart player, and that's how he makes up for his deficiencies. If, if he can knock down some of those outside shots, uh, I think he would be you know, a, a really good fill-in here for Teague down the stretch. However, I'm worried that his shot's inconsistent and teams don't have to worry about him off ball because he can't finish around the rim with the best of them. He, his shot, like I said, is inconsistent. So we'll see how that part goes. But defensively, he makes up for his on-ball limitations by being so smart and always understanding the game and being one step ahead of everyone else, it seems. Yeah, I guess one thing to add to defensively with him, you know, you mentioned some of his on-ball deficiencies, but he also has active hands. Like in addition to the five steals, I think he had a couple deflections too when he when he was guarding the ball. So I think that's another, you know, coin in his pocket, I guess, that he can kind of lean on, you know, active hands and stuff. Yeah, definitely. He's just, I mean, being that he's from Minnesota, I think he's going to have a special place in Timberwolves fans' hearts because we want him to want him to do well. We want him to succeed, and and. Let's see how he does with this extended playing time while Teague is out. Last time he only filled in for four games, but he'll definitely get more than that this time. So I just want to run through here some of the on-off numbers with Jeff Teague just to give Timberwolves fans an idea of maybe what we're missing because I feel like Teague hasn't been as valued nearly as much as he should be this season. A lot of fans are still sour about Ricky Rubio getting traded, and this has maybe morphed or affected their outlook on Jeff Teague. Before this injury, where do you sit on the Jeff Teague, Jeff Teague scale? Are you a fan of him? Were you a critic? Where do you fall on that? Definitely like Jeff Teague. I mean, we saw some of Rubio's best play, you know, last month of the season last year 
where kind of everything came together and the shooting was working and he was getting to the rim and finishing and everything. But I think ultimately that's not who Rubio is. Um, Jeff Teague, what he does is, since he's a threat to score, unlike Rubio was for much of his career, he spreads the defense out, which makes things easier for guys like Wiggins and Butler. I mean, obviously, I think Wiggins has had more catch-and-shoot jump jump shots this season than any point in his career. Granted, he went through a long slump, but he's on fire the last two games. But I think Jeff Teague, as much as it hurt a lot of Timberwolves fans, you know, losing Rubio, I think Jeff Teague does make the team better, and it helps everybody else out on the floor, too. Yeah, he had a lot of the criticism came from his tendency to get lost off ball on defense. He would oftentimes turn his head and completely lose his man who would either cut to the basket for an easy hoop or, you know, fly out to a different part of the three point line and drain a three. But overall the Timberwolves had a, positive net rating of 2.9 with Teague on the court compared to just a rating of 0.4 when he was off the court. So he definitely was a positive player for them. Um, So I think that part is not debatable. As far as Tyus Jones, the team's also positive when he's on the floor with a positive net rating of 5.3 compared to just 0.1 when Tyus Jones is off the floor, which is, you know, not what I expected because he plays a lot of his minutes with the starters. So I was expecting that positive net rating to be up there. Um, but I, th- I would thought they would have been a little bit better with him off the court. So that's that's surprising. As far as not just Tyus Jones, but who else does this Jeff Teague injury affect um, as far as players on the Timberwolves roster right now? Are there any other players that this injury has a trickle-down effect on? So I think the most the most evident, and I think, I don't know, we've only had so many hours to digest this, but when I thought about this, I just thought, okay, Tyus is going to have to really step up here. But what we saw last night was when the Wolves went to the bench, Butler assumed a lot more ball handling responsibilities than Crawford. And I think that was kind of just assumed by a lot of Wolves fans. Like, hey, it's either going to be Brooks. It's going to be a combination of Brooks, Butler, Crawford. And we saw early in the season when Jimmy Butler was being really unselfish and getting a lot of guys involved. He kind of assumed that, you know, ball distributor, offensive creator for other guys position when Tyus wasn't on the floor. And I think that had an effect on him. And I think that affects him the most just because he he does everything else too, right? You know, he he... He guards the best defender, usually. Like, even last night, Taj started on Giannis. And even you saw, early in the first quarter, there were possessions where Jimmy picked him up off of a make. You know what I mean? He just grabbed him. That's the type of player Jeremy is. You know, he wants to he wants to shut the door on you late in the fourth quarter. He wants to, you know, score at will, and he wants to guard the best player. So, if he has to be the primary responsible party for creating for others offensively, that's just a heavy load to carry. So, and you kind of saw it last night, too. You know, I think he... He came up short on a couple of jump shots with tired legs. And even late in the game, one was a foul and one, you know, he, he didn't hit out of bounds, but he was loose with the ball. And you could just tell he didn't have it. Granted, they're coming off a of back to back and he had a Herculean effort against the Nuggets. But uh, even on a closeout when Bledsoe hit the corner three to go up to, I think, 95, 93, he just he just didn't have it that time. And I think him having to do everything and also be the primary ball handler when Tyus isn't on the floor takes a lot out of him. Yeah, that's asking Jimmy Butler to do a lot. I think he's a great secondary playmaker as far as not bringing the ball up the floor, but being there to initiate a pick and roll or to create for himself or for others. I think that's really where he thrives at is being that secondary playmaker. I think he will would struggle, like you said, if he's asked to be the primary playmaker and the primary initiator of the offense because that is putting a lot on his plate. You said it perfectly when – 
when you said like th- he's already asked to do a whole bunch of stuff he's guarding the best man like you said last night with Giannis Adekatupo he's trying to now initiate the offense more frequently create shots for himself and for others and that's just a lot for any man to do and then you add on he's playing 38 to 40 minutes a night and I don't think that's sustainable at an effective pace and so I think Jamal Crawford also will take on some of those added ballers ball handling responsibilities we typically see him do that a lot with the second unit as is usually when uh, Jamal Crawford and Tyus Jones are out there together Crawford's the one that's initiating I would say probably about 50 percent of the offense um, and bringing the ball up the court running a lot of those high ball screen uh, pick and rolls and so Jamal Crawford's already doing that but I'd look for him to do it even more um as far as Aaron Brooks, he's a guy that's obviously going to have to step up. I don't think there's a lot of place in Thibodeau's offense for him because Tyus Jones wasn't getting very many minutes before, and he was playing uh, effective basketball, and Aaron Brooks has struggled all season long. So I think we'll see Aaron Brooks get like 10 to 12 minutes-ish, depending on when Tyus Jones is not on the court. But overall, Aaron Brooks is going to have to play a lot better than he did before. What's your take on Aaron Brooks? He, I, I would agree with you. He's probably he's probably gonna get more minutes, but he didn't get that many uh, last night, did he? I think he only he played four, four minutes. Wow. Four minutes. Yeah, four minutes. And I think to me, Aaron Brooks is kind of a what is he really giving you? I, I guess you know he. I guess his skill set is. I guess he's an offensive spark plug at this point. You know, or he at doesn't least really, used to be. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't averaged over five assists, and God, I don't know how long. I mean, it's been years, but he. I mean. He's just a scorer, I guess. And one of the plays that stood out to me last night was, I think it was his first bucket. It was this flailing, running, like almost hook shot towards the rim. (laughs) It it went in, right? You know, it it went in. But still, like, that's not good. And if that's what you're getting out of Aaron Brooks, you know, you already have offensively-minded players on the bench this season, right? You know, I mean, Crawford is that spark plug that's the primary six-man, right? Billy's a good spot-up shooter. And Gorgie's mid-range is absolutely automatic, right? So, to me, like, if you're Aaron Brooks, you have to be more effective by creating for the other guys on the floor than just taking away from the other guys. Because at this point, you're not really better offensively than the other guys, I guess. Yeah, he played four minutes last night. It was 2-2 two two from the field, including that beautiful sky hook, that running sky hook. I, yeah, I love that thing. <laughs> I, I got to start practicing that in the gym. As a little man, I mean, that's just an unguardable move. So he, four minutes, two for two from the field with four points, um, but he was a minus four in those four minutes. And that's usually, that's been his MO all season. And yeah, he was brought in to be an offensive spark plug, but I think that's more, that was three, four or five years ago with Aaron Brooks, and that's not who he is anymore. So I would look for him to continue to get limited minutes, but Logan, let me ask you this. Is it, is it viable for the Timberwolves to continue playing their backup point guard only four minutes a game, especially against this really tough stretch in January that they have coming? I don't think so. I think I think they're going to need to bring another guy in because what what effectively happens, right? Teague is gone, and so Tyus is going to be playing a lot, right? And T- Tyus is already an undersized guard, and so if your backup point guard is another undersized guard, you know that's you know you need a little bit more versatility than that. So, and you're going to need more minutes from them too. So if you constantly have at all times, somebody that's, you know, six foot, six one defenses can take advantage of, even the bench units can take advantage of that's, that's not ideal. So I think they're going to need to play their backup point guard more minutes. And I, and I don't know if Aaron Brooks is the answer, I guess. So who do they bring in? 
Well, you wrote about this, Brian. You, oh, you wrote I about did? Yeah, you did. You did. So, guys, if you haven't checked it out, uh, Brian on DunkingWithTheWolves.com, he wrote about five potential replacements for uh, Jeff Teague. And um, I'm going to pick one of the guys you you said. I really like Mellow Trimble. All right. Um, in terms of a de- – I wrote two things down. I have them starred of what we need out of a Jeff Teague replacement. One, can you create offensively for other people, you know, to a degree? Mm-hmm. And can you guard – to a degree. Miller Trimble is slightly bigger. He's 6'3", but one of the things that sticks out to me for the Iowa Wolves in the G League is his, his pick and roll game. He's actually pretty good at it, and if you're going to be initiating offense to set up other guys, I think you're going to need that in your back pocket. So I think Mellow Trimble might be a nice addition. What about you? Yeah, I you know I like the idea of Mellow Trimble stepping in. He has the familiarity with the Timberwolves offense, having been a part of their system, or at least part of their team since, when did he get signed? Like uh, early September, right before preseason. Um, And so he has that familiarity. The coaches know what he can do, so they probably have the best inside knowledge about his strengths and weaknesses than any of the players out there. So I think that, I don't know if he's the right guy, but I think that Minnesota has more information and knowledge about him to make a more accurate decision than anyone else. So I think he probably has a step up based on that play. And he's been playing pretty well in the G League. Um, let me see if I can pull up his stats here really quick. But I know that they were they were pretty good. So he's averaging 20.7 points, 6.1 assists, 3.5 rebounds, and shooting 44.4% from the field. So those aren't bad numbers, and I think he could provide a nice boost, or at least for the Minnesota to look at him, because they do have an open two-way contract available, so might as well use him. They can always release him from that two-way contract and reassign him back to the Iowa Wolves if things don't work out, but they have that open roster spot. Might as well give him a look and use some of those 45 days that they have anointed to them based on that two-way contract rule. Out of those out of those other five guys, you list, or other four, I guess, Miller Trimble being one of them, uh, is there anybody else maybe not on the Iowa Wolves or, you know, that you think they should go get or could go get? So for those of you out there who haven't read the article, and I know there's probably not anybody because I know you guys all check out everything that we write at Dunking with Wolves, but the yeah. other the other four guys that I put on there were Anthony Brown, who is with the Iowa Wolves, and he's the one guy Minnesota has on their two-way contract right now. But then there's Trey Burke, who Minnesota drafted a few years back, Mike James, and Gary Payton the second. So... Obviously, Mike James, he's the one that has, that's all this stink has been made about. Minnesota's reportedly was linked back to him this past summer, tried to get him, um, but but wasn't able to. So I think he right now is, I wouldn't say he's the favorite, but he has the spotlight on him in, in terms of fans on Twitter or media, different stuff like that. And we all have fresh in our minds when he lit up Minnesota for 26 points. Oh, um, gosh, don't remember. Yeah. Right around Thanksgiving. So teams, you know, we, we saw that. And at first I was like, wow, this guy's a player. But then the more I dug into his play, you know, that was, that was an outlier. That wasn't the norm for him. Um, but he did average 10.4 points and 3.8 assists during his time with the Suns before he was let go. So I could see him being a nice candidate, but he's another short point guard, like we talked about. And so I don't know if he would be the right fit. He's more of an offensive-minded guy, sort of like Aaron Brooks, just a little bit better than Aaron Brooks. Maybe he's Aaron Brooks from a few years ago. The main guy that I have my eye on is Gary Payton II, and let me tell you why. It's He's a defensive-minded guy. He's a Tom Thibodeau-type player. Um, 
he's definitely somebody you'd have to hide on offense. You'd have to hide in the corner, but he goes hard on defense. He'll pick up the opposing point guard for 94 feet. He'll make them work for every step that they take, every ounce of sweat that they drip. You know, he will make them work for it. And that's what I think would fit great with this team is somebody who can come in, especially if he's only going to play 10 minutes a game. You know, he just comes in, works his ass off for those 10 minutes, makes the opposing point guard work his butt off for those 10 minutes. And then he comes back to the bench and, I think that would be a great fit. He's he has good lateral quickness. He's long, um, and he's he's fairly athletic. I would say he's an above average athletic player. So he can get it done in the defensive end, which is why I th- I think that he would make the most sense. And he would probably come over here on a two way contract. Um, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with him, he played with Milwaukee Bucks last season, and then at the beginning of this season on a two way contract. But they released him after his 45 days of being in the NBA were up. So he might be willing to take another two-way contract with Minnesota to try to prove his worth in the league again. That was the other one that stood out to me too, just because he's so vastly different than anything that the rules have now. And I think that at the end of the day, he's going to be able to guard and you're going to be able to switch a lot more too without it hurting you, right? If you bring in Mike James, it's the same problem that you have with Aaron Brooks. Switch on a guy take advantage of the mismatch with Peyton. You can switch on it and he can, with his length, he can guard bigger guards or he can guard bigger forwards, you know, guard being a relative term, you know, he's not going to stop them, but it's going to be a lot tougher on the, on the person with the ball to score. Right. So that was the other one that stuck out to me too. I really like the idea of Gary Payton. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, at this point, there aren't many other options out there, especially because this isn't a long-term injury. You know, we're not talking he's going to be out for three months or so, you know. And so to find somebody who's willing to come in and play just for that short amount of time or that, you know, um, moderate amount of time, is that I think that's going to be the tricky part because there are guys out there like Darren Williams, who's a free agent, but he's not going to want to come on to a Minnesota Timberwolves team who's only going to use him for a month at most or eight, eight weeks at most. Um, so I think that's going to be the other tricky part is finding somebody who's willing to maybe come on a two-way contract or somebody who's willing to just come and play for a small amount of time, knowing that they might be waived then when Jeff Teague comes back healthy. Yeah. So I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head that they kind of, I guess um, that kind of outlaws some of the bigger names, right? I, I know some Timberwolves fans want to see them, bring in somebody, you know, with a, you know, maybe a bigger name, but that's not really the intent, right? I mean, it's not like you're losing Teague for the year, you know, this is a short-term injury. It's not, it's not like somebody like a Darren Williams would come on and, you know, I mean, he would sign up for that. So you're going to need a guy that's, you know, fighting for a two-way contract or something like that. Do you think Minnesota has an asset to make a trade for a backup point guard? Do you think this is even something they would consider? What do you stand on trading somebody or something for, to fill this void? no one really sticks out to me right now in terms of assets. I think, I guess, I guess the asset, cause what is the, uh, I don't know what the date is before they can potentially move the guys they signed in the off season. Like it was, Aaron it was, it's past. It was December past, 15th so can, or something like that. So, I mean, to me, I guess the, the obvious candidate might be Gorgie Jang, but at the same time, I don't know how the rest of the league feels about Gorgie Jang. Right. I mean, that seems like an asset just because Taj has played so well and they're tr- experimenting with belly at the four more. So, I mean, it seems like Gorgie might be a candidate for that, but again, I don't know. I don't know what the, the rest of the league values Gorgie Jang at. Yeah. I, I don't think a trade should be in the picture for Minnesota right now. Um, yeah, me. I, I, yeah, I don't know what they would do. You'd, obviously they would, Jang would probably be their only legitimate 
person to trade. They they have the Thunder's first round pick, but I don't think that they should move anything um, right now. I think they just got to see how this goes. They played for the most part. They played pretty well against the Milwaukee Bucks on Thursday night. They did blow a twenty point lead and lost at the end. But Milwaukee's a good team. Minnesota's coming off a back to back overtime victory or coming off an overtime victory and was playing the next day. So I think that I think as Timberwolves fans, we shouldn't panic too much. Let's see how they do over these next few games. They play a game again on Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve, and then on New Year's Day. Let's see how those couple of games go before overreacting too much. They might be able to get by for four weeks or like you said, even if it's two weeks, uh, best case scenario, they might be able to get by for a couple weeks here with Tyus Jones and Aaron Brooks and then filling in with Jamal Crawford and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's the the minutes. The minutes on Tyus is gonna be is gonna be a strain, and he dislocated his finger. I'm sure he'll be fine. He came oh, back in the game. Tough. Yeah, he's a tough guy, and it did look great. You know, sometimes those guys go to the sideline and they can pop it back in, and you don't even get to the locker room. But he went back to the locker room, so it didn't it didn't look pretty. That's for sure. So before moving on to our, the ton of Twitter questions, we have any last thoughts about this Jeff Teague injury or what it means for Minnesota? Uh, no, I mean it's. It's lucky it's 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 a great one MCL sprain and not the ACL that we dealt with with Levine last year. Um, I think other people are gonna have to step up more than just Tyus at the end of the day because Butler, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, does so much for the Wolves and people need to help him out. Not not necessarily scoring the basketball, but doing the little things and playing defense and creating for others. And I think others are gonna need to step up other than just Tyus. So let me ask you the question that everybody wants to know. Was this Jeff Teague injury the result of Tom Thibodeau playing him too many minutes? No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it what? is. You're not ready so to that, go there yet. No, I'm not ready to go there yet, and it's it's frustrating because I know every Wolves fan. That's the conversation, and if you go look at the most used lineups in the NBA, I mean, the Timberwolves starters is by far and away the most used. But you look at games like last night where we're up 20, and Tibbs starts subbing guys out. And the twenty-point lead evaporates. So on one hand, you have you know Tibbs are playing these guys so much, you know, so many minutes. And then on the other hand, well, you know, the bench can sometimes give up the lead, and that's kind of what happened last night. It's not the whole bench, you know. It's not just the second unit, you know. It's it's a mix. But how can you how can you not play your starters when you need to win those games, right? And you're giving up those leads. So it's it's a, it's a difficult situation. I'm glad I'm not Tibbs and having to make that decision. For sure, for sure. So let's jump. Let's jump to our one Twitter question from Rob at the Sportsman. He's a longtime listener, loyal fan. He asked he asked a couple of questions about Aaron Brooks. Well, commanded to talk about Aaron Brooks, but then he asked a question: Should he be waived? Do you think Aaron Brooks should be waived? I mean, he's depth. Do I think he should be waived? I don't know if he should. I don't, I don't know if it matters if he should or not. I don't think he will just because he seems like Tibbs' guy. I mean, we saw Tibbs bring in, you know. You saw the name going around in the offseason, the Timber Bulls. You know, he brought in Taj and Aaron Brooks and Jimmy Butler. And I, I think once Tibbs has, you know, his not necessarily mind made up, but once you're one of Tibbs' guys, I, I, I don't see him moving him. You know, I, there, there's probably a reason why some of these guys are on the, you know, Iowa Wolves instead of up on the roster now. So I don't mm-hmm. think they will. Maybe they should because I don't know how much he gives the Wolves that they don't already have. And they don't, he doesn't give them anything they don't already have, I guess. And I mean, do I think he should be waived? Probably, but I don't think he will be. What about you? I 
I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's a spot on the floor for him to play. I don't think he's played well enough to earn any minutes, but I don't think he should be waived either. You need guys that are going to sit at your end of the bench that are okay with it. And he provides some of that veteran presence with, for Tyus Jones. We both talked about how they're smaller point guards. Granted, they're vastly different types of players, but he can provide some of that knowledge and some of that experience on, on to Tyus about how to survive in this league for a long time. And, they, Minnesota already has one open roster spot. If they release him, I'd like to see them do something with that roster spot, not just have an open one, have an open spot. So I don't think that they should waive him just because what else are they going to do? They're not paying him a lot of money. He's not a cancer to the team. When he's in that third point guard role and not playing minutes, he's doing just fine. It's in situations like these where we have issues with him. So I, I don't think he should be waived. I think he's fine unless Minnesota has a better alternative. But at this point, there are no indications that they do. Yeah, agreed there. Well, that's all that we have here for you today. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. You can find me, Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts at Dunking with Wolves on Twitter, at Brian Sampson NBA. You can find Logan on Twitter, at Logan Metzger 33 Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you guys next time. I be the king of my class.